0: Welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, December the 9th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness today. Thank you for being present with me today as we break open the Word of God for this third Sunday of Advent. We are lighting the, uh, well, we'll call it rose, you know, but pink by any other name, my friends. We are writing the rose candle today, which again, it is Gaudete Sunday. It means rejoice. It means we are at the halfway point of Advent, are waiting that that entity, that event that we are, are waiting for, it is drawing nearer and nearer and nearer. That's wonderful. However, it means, my friends, that that time of preparation, it is, it is getting closer and closer. I mean, in a sense, we're halfway through the pregnancy. Uh, and as the day of delivery gets nearer and nearer, uh, we need to be more and more prepared. So while it is a moment to rejoice, it is also a moment to recollect and, and take a look and say, how are we doing along this journey? And what do we need to rethink? How do we need to, in, in terms of last week's gospel, right? That metanoia, how do we think differently? How do we turn around? How do we set aside all those ways of imaging God and imaging the world and imaging ourselves and begin to image anew. Ah, this is good. This is good. So my friends, welcome. Glad you are here. We're going to dive right into the readings, but before we do, just that same reminder, of course, um, settle yourself. Open yourself uh, in a very literal way. Uh, Invite the Holy Spirit to say, okay, Lord, find root within me. May your word find root, find a home, and may that seed grow within me. And boy, we're going to talk about seeds today. These readings are wonderful. Uh, and they're going to talk about growth. And so ask God uh, to, to help you find that growth. Uh, well, God will do the growing, right? May we simply be that fertile soil uh, in which God can find a home, and prep yourself. Again, what we're doing is we're inviting God to open us, to commune with us, uh, so that we may say yes to God's Word in whatever way God invites us, and God will speak to us through this Word in in a way that is unique to you. I'm just giving some ways. If there's other ways, praise God. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but But look for God. Look for that Spirit in a word, in a phrase, in an idea today. And let God speak to you through this word. Okay, as always, we're going to read the uh, first and the gospel. Our first reading today is from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 to 6a, and then verse 10. So if you're following along, Isaiah 35, 1 to 6a, verse, and then skip to verse 10. Uh, Matthew, we'll go to Matthew chapter 11. Verses 2 to 11, which is kind of odd. It's the you know kind of the middle of the, the Gospel of Matthew. Why would we do that? Well, you're going to see, uh, because it deals with John the Baptist. All right, my friends. Let's settle ourselves. Let's uh, rejoice this day. And let's open ourselves to the Word of God. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exalt. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those who... Hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not, here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense, he comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so our gospel, my friends, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to him in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind will regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense in me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way before you. Amen, I say to you. Among those born of women... There has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Again, let yourself settle on a word, on a phrase, and an idea, or an idea one of those things, and sit with it and chew on it the rest of this day, tomorrow, the week to come. Let God speak to you through whatever that is, okay? I wonder if John the Baptist cringes when he hears this gospel. Brothers and sisters, among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is is, uh, greater. John the Baptist was as human as you and I. Jesus calls him the greatest right here. How wonderful. What a compliment. But yet here's John the Baptist in the 11th chapter who is questioning Is that really you? Are you the one we're looking for? Because because really, you're not doing the things that I expected you to do. You're, you're, You're not being the savior that I set the people up for. You know, I was looking for you in this direction. I was talking about you in this way. But you're not doing that. Those of you who have listened before to my pod, and and particularly those who listened to last week's pod, I alluded to this. And I just said it almost in passing and didn't didn't flesh it out. But I'm going to flesh it out a little bit here. Let's go back to last week's gospel, shall we? This is the one we heard last week, right? And this is what John says. Now this is chapter three. So this is when John first comes on the scene and he's talking about he's he's given the Dickens to the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right And he's talking about and he's pointing to the Messiah and what this new uh, comer, this one that who is to follow him, who's, he's not even worthy to, to, you know, carry the sandals, right? This is what it's going to be like. Even now the ax lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. He's imaging God as a God of, hmm, no, these are my words, not John's, as, as a God of vengeful justice. If you are not doing it right, woe to you. Because you are going to be burned in unquenchable fire. And my goodness, you are going to be cut down because that that axe lies at the root of the tree. This guy is going to come with power and might. And you want to make sure you're on the right side. Now, in one sense, that's all very true. We most definitely want to be right with God. We most definitely don't want to be uh, doing whatever it is willy-nilly at our own, you know, um, will or our own thoughts or our own desire or whatever that is. We want to be in the will of God. Of course we do. But we don't want to do that simply to say, oh, because why? Because vengeance awaits those who don't and winnowing fans and unquenchable fire. And so John's like, "Um, you're not speaking in that same language that I did. And furthermore, you're not acting in the same way that uh, that I expected you to be. So now I'm going to jump back to the gospel for this week. And that's why he says, I mean, and, and so we have to know that's behind the question. John's in prison. He's done his ministry and he's wondering whether he was pointing to the right guy because he's not doing it that way. And so he says, listen, he sends his disciples and says, okay, ask, is it you? Is it you? Because I'm not seeing it, or should we look for another? This is John at the end of his rope basically saying, I'm 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 defeated. Okay. I, I, I don't know anymore. And Jesus, and Jesus' wonderful wisdom, he doesn't answer the question, not directly. He answers it. He answers it. He says, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense in me. Basically, that last line, John Don't be offended. Okay? I'm coming in a new way. And don't don't hold that against me. Don't hold that against God. Don't hold your image of what it needs to be against God and against me. Because it's we who need to change, not God. It's we who need to change, not Jesus. Jesus says this is the kingdom of God. You're blind? Hey, you're going to regain sight. You're lame? You're gonna walk. If you are unclean, let me cleanse you. If you cannot hear well, let me open that up. If somehow there's something dead within you, let me raise that up. Because that's who I am. That's what I do. That's the calling card of God. And isn't that what we heard in Isaiah's reading? Right? Remember I said we're gonna talk about seeds? You know, um, this image is so beautiful. I lived in, in Arizona for three years. And, and so boy, the desert can be so beautiful because you know, and they, they uh, I, I lived in flag. So I lived in Flagstaff and, um, North of flag, uh, there's the something called the painted desert. And it's not that way because you know, the, the different colored rocks or anything like that, but it's in, uh, a certain time of spring when the rains come, the, the desert blooms. And it is beautiful, but it's only for a small amount of time. And you don't see it. Otherwise, it looks lifeless. That's what that's what Jesus is using. Again, imagery that they would know and saying, listen, all these things that are dry and look dead, I'm going to make them filled with life. Because they hold the seeds that you cannot see. And they have potential within them that you do not know, just as the dead do, by the way or those dead things that within uh, that are within us or those who are lame they hold potential that you do not know and and the and the blind and the deaf right and those who are unclean by society's measure brothers and sisters that's you and I that's everybody That's everybody we know. That we carry those seeds that society or that you and I or the church or our community or whatever group we're a part of, it doesn't matter. Whoever it is that we are looking at and we are wanting to say they are without measure, they are without whatever, hope. that, That, man, I should get that axe because it's at the foot of the tree or I should get that wintering fan because I know where they're going. But God says but you don't because they hold within them the ability to bloom and blossom. The calling card of God is life. I want to tell you a story. And I tell this story at some of my funerals. So if you've, uh, you go to some of the funeral services that I do, you know, I have like six stories. And usually I begin my reflections with one of them. Well, this is one of them. And, and it goes like this. And it's a true story. Hundred years ago, almost to the to the month, it was November of 1922. They found the uh, the um, tomb of King Tut, right? Now we know that name; we've grown up with with it. But a hundred years ago, they didn't. And so they found the the tomb of King Tut. And not only is uh, you know the the king buried, uh, just by he's not buried by himself; he's buried with much of his kingdom. And right next to him was a bowl filled with seeds. When they found him, and they found the the tomb. And presumably this bowl held fruit uh, as something that he would eat uh, and give him strength for that journey into the afterlife. Well, and after 3,000 years of being in the, in the desert, it was just seeds. And uh, they were lifeless and they were going to be sent to the uh, museum in London along with everything else from the exhibit, uh, from the tomb for the exhibit. And a couple of botanists said, hey, listen, can you give us a few of those seeds? We want to see if they still hold hold life within them and so they put them in rich soil and they uh and they uh, made sure they got sunshine and plenty of moisture and to the surprise of everyone, those seeds bloomed because it even if they look lifeless even if they have been uh Old and, and in the desert and dried and wrinkled and and beyond all appearances appear to be nothing. In the right hands, in the right conditions, life springs forth. Brothers and sisters, that is what our God invites us to. Remember how I said last week um, that, uh, that we have to enlarge the space of our tent? And I also said, get used to that, because you're going to hear it a lot from me. Brothers and sisters, Our God can bring, in fact, I I won't even say can, our God will bring life from places that we do not expect it. Exhibit A, John the Baptist. And if John the Baptist, the greatest among born of women uh, to this time, can be wrong about what God, uh, how God is going to come into the world and what God's kingdom looks like, if John the Baptist can be wrong, can we forgive ourselves for our misunderstandings of who God can be? And can we enlarge the space of our tent to realize that God can come in ways that we do not expect as well? And that we would be, we would do well to not take offense at those people who are bringing us that image of God in a new way. I don't say it to be progressive. I don't say it to be liberal. I don't say it to be any of that stuff. I say it, my friends, because we do not have God figured out we do not have God in a box and to the extent that we do we are no different than the Pharisees or Sadducees or even John the Baptist who think we know God we do not we do not here is the last thing I want to say Um, and that is this and it's it's A lesson from John for us, uh, sent down through 2,000 years, and it's this. How do we image God, brothers and sisters? Because we, and this is why this is important, I, I would urge you to answer that before I even go on, how do you image God? Because we will become the God we image. We will become the God that we image. If God is a god of vengeful justice then we will become women and men of vengeful justice because we will have the white hats on and we will know the good from the bad we will know where the axe needs to lie at the foot of the tree we will know who is unclean and clean we're going to know who's in and who's out and by God we will be able to 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 you know clear that threshing floor we will behave and become the image of God that we imagine, that we create. And Jesus here is trying to help John reimagine who and what God is and who and what the kingdom of God looks like. Brothers and sisters, if nothing else, allow ourselves this Christmas to enlarge the space of our tent, to open ourselves to realize that God is bigger, to not take offense at those people who are uh, inviting us to reimagine God in a new and larger way. The God of Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that the God that we image is the God of Jesus Christ. And our gospel today tells us so much about what the God of Jesus Christ is. Because it looks like deserts blooming. It looks like the steppe shall pour forth in fecundity. There's my word for the day. Look it up. F-E-C-U-N-D-I-T-Y. I was not challenged to do that. Our God is a God of abundance. And it looks like the dead being brought to life. And it looks like the unclean being made whole. And it looks like the blind regaining their sight. And it looks like the deaf beginning to hear. Brothers and sisters, within us are those seeds that can be brought to the fullness of life. And we may look at ourselves and we may say we are beyond that ability that we are like the desert that can no longer bloom. We may look at our world and say, there is no way that it can become fertile and fecund again. We can look at, at things within or, or, or groups or whatever that looks like. But brothers and sisters, our God is a God who can make the desert, who can make that which appears lifeless come fully to life. All it needs is the right hands and the right conditions. And in the hands and presence of our God, there are no better hands and no better conditions. Let's bring that to prayer. And so we begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth, excuse me, the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Thanks for being present with me today. Rejoice. The time of the coming is happening soon. Rejoice, my friends. Be well this week, and God's peace.